There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Welcome to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael of Greensboro. And now let's welcome our dear friend, Brother Dean. All right, you're listening to Preach the Word with Dean Carmichael Jr. We're going to be in Genesis chapter number 24, and I'm going to read verse number 61 through verse number 67. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Laharoi, for he dwelt in south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, and she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Heavenly Father, touch this time together. Lord, use your word. Speak to hearts. We say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the title of the message is Here Comes the Bride. Now, this is referring to a type that is a divinely appointed illustration of some scriptural truth. So anytime you see a type in the Bible, it's more than just an application that we get. For example, we, we read the Bible, and we, of course we do the interpretation first, and then we apply it to our lives. A type is an actual, a divinely appointed illustration. So it's more than just an application. Dr. J. Edwin Hartill, I want to quote him, he said, A type must never be used to teach a doctrine, but only to illustrate a doctrine elsewhere explicitly taught. So, for example, in John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That serpent is a symbol of the sin of the people and they needed to look for it uh, for healing. And Christ was made sin for us on the cross of Calvary. The Bible tells us he bore our sins. The Bible says he became sin for us. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That is a div div divinely appointed illustration. Another one, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So leaven uh, is actual, actually evil. So you have to stop the leavening process or the bread uh, just keeps rising higher and higher and higher. That's what it's talking about when, when, when Paul said purge there. So in the Old Testament days, after the feast of the Passover, uh, they would have the feast of the unleavened bread. So what Paul was saying was that Christ is our Passover and that we should purge the leaven and be a new lump. That is a divinely appointed illustration. 
So we're going to look here at the story of Isaac and Rebekah, and we're going to look at the divinely appointed illustration of Jesus Christ and his bride. So before we do that, before we get into it, by way of introduction, let's give an interpretation and, and let's look at the cast of characters. So first off, in this story, we have Abraham's servant, and his, his task is to find Isaac a bride. And he's in Haran in Mesopotamia, and this is about 2026 BC, about 2,000 years or so before Christ. And Abraham uh, commanded his servant to go find his son a wife. So the first character we have that we're going to look at, number one, by way of introduction, is the father. And this is Abraham. Bible says in Genesis 24, verse 1, Abraham was old, and well stricken with age, and really he's about 140 years old. And the women in Canaan, they were idolatrous. They were wicked. So what he did, he turned his attention to Haran, where he had once been. This is where his brother Nahor had already established a family. And, and notice here, the way had been paved for Abraham to now send his servant to find his son a bride. So you have the father. Next, you have the faithful. This is the unnamed servant. If you read your Bible, Genesis 24, verse 2, And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his, of his house that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. If you go back to chapter 15, verse 2, Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. It's obvious here that Abraham's servant is the, is the man Eliezer. However, in this story, he's unnamed, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. So he traveled a great journey. Uh, the, the servant, that is, it was well planned. It was thought out. He would stand by a well. He would ask for a drink. And the woman who would give him water and then also draw water for the camels, this would be the woman for Isaac. Now, that doesn't sound like much of a task, but when you look at it this way, there were ten camels and there was five gallons for each camel. That's, that's quite the task. And the Bible tells us in verse 12 through 20 in, in our, our main text here that Rebecca passes it uh, this test with flying colors. So the servant gives her earrings, he gives her bracelets, and when he learns of who she is, he begins worshiping and praising God. And then Re Rebecca uh, finds out who he is, and she runs home to tell her mother. So we have the father, we have the faithful. Another important character in this story is we see the flesh, which is Laban. In verse number 29 through verse number 33 in Genesis 24, And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man, unto the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earrings and bracelets upon his sister's hands, when he heard the words of Rebekah his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. Bible tells us over in Acts that when the Holy Spirit told Philip to go to the desert there to speak to that Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible says Philip ran to preach to him Jesus. That's because Philip's, his heart and his mind was on one thing, and that was giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we look here at Laban, and Laban, when he saw the servant, he ran. And this is because 
his mind and his heart was on one thing. That was pleasing the flesh. That was the riches. When he saw the gift the servant had, uh, he went out to meet him. He ran. Um, he, he was given gifts. Um, and he would also, if you read on, and there are over 60 verses in this chapter, so we're not going to read. But if you read it on your own, Laban actually tries to hinder the work of the servant by asking if he could get 10 more days with Rebekah. He's trying to grieve this, this servant. He's trying to quench the work of this servant. He only cared about himself. So we see the father, the faithful, the flesh, and now we got the two, main, two, two more very important characters. We've already talked about the father and the faithful. Um, now let's look at the follower, which is Rebecca. Very important here. From the moment Rebecca met this unnamed servant, she was interested in the man that he spoke of. Notice, the servant did not speak of himself. He's unnamed here. He doesn't tell, he, we don't hear about his name. He's only talking about the son. He's only telling Rebecca about the son. And after they, they met, he was invited into the home of Rebecca, and he tells Rebecca and her family his mission and about his encounter with Rebecca. And this entire time that this servant is talking about the son, Rebecca is paying close attention. She's paying on, she's, she's hanging on every word this man says. And notice something here. When you read these verses, there's nothing mystical. There's nothing magical that happens. Rebecca doesn't have some great vision or some great dream. Or, and when the servant shows up, uh, this, this great bright light shines. None of that happened. It was natural. It was a, in a way, it was like a still small voice that came and told Rebecca about this son. And the Bible tells us pretty much that when we read these verses, uh, here in verse number 58, Rebecca says, I will go. She had loved this man, Isaac, before she even saw him, before she even met him face to face. And last of all, we have the forebearer, which is Isaac. And these are, this is the literal interpretation here. This is the actual story. Um, Isaac had waited for his father's servant to do his work. Why? Because his work was already done. Uh, the servant's doing the work here. And he's taken Rebecca home to her groom. And the Bible says in verse 62 through 65, we read those verses there. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. Um, Isaac's work was finished. The servant was the one who called the bride, not him. He waited patiently to meet his bride. And when Rebecca saw him, before she even met him, she covered herself with the veil. Friends, in this story, what we have is a divinely appointed illustration of Jesus Christ and his bride. Let's look uh, with our main points here at each one of these characters and how they are a type of Christ and the church. Number one, we see the father. Abraham is a type of God the Father. Notice, Abraham sent his servant to fetch a bride for his son. After the way had been paved, this is a divine illustration of God the Father. Quote Dr. John Phillips here from Exploring Genesis. It was thus in a past eternity that the eternal God took counsel with himself in regard to his son. He would have a bride for a son, one fit for him, one capable of sharing the lofty position that was him. He would send the Holy Spirit into the world to find that bride, but not until Calvary 
had paved the way. The work had already been done. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We see the Father. Abraham, in this story, is a divinely appointed illustration of God the Father. The next, we have the faithful, the unnamed servant, Eliezer. He goes unnamed in this story. Why is that? Because he is a type of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit uh, does not speak of himself. He does not draw attention to himself. He draws attention to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is out seeking Christ, his bride. Um, his message, there, as, as I mentioned earlier, his message was not mystical. It was not magical. It was simple. It was, he constantly pointed to Isaac with Abraham's will in mind. That's what the Holy Spirit of God does. At one moment, Rebekah had no idea who Isaac was. But after a simple message from the servant, she was hooked. Just like, just like uh, the, the, the child of God, listen, one day you had no idea who Jesus Christ was. But after a simple message, after that still small voice, after the Holy Spirit began convicting you and speaking to you and talking to you and drawing you and, and, and showing you that you were a sinner, you want to learn more and more and more. We read on in the story, it talks about how Rebecca's family wanted to hold her back and let her wait. And in verse number 56, she says, Hinder me not. That's what happens when, when the Holy Spirit of God is convicting us. The flesh, the world, the devil, the prince, the power in the air, he does everything he can to hinder the Holy Spirit of God from, from convicting, to hinder us from listening to the voice of the Lord so that we can be saved. We see the faithful, the unnamed servant there was a type of the Holy Spirit. Next, we see the flesh, which is Laban. He's a type simply of the, the worldly sinner. Uh, when the servant came, he was focused on the riches. Uh, this is a divine illustration of the world. In 2 Timothy chapter number uh, 4, in verse number 3 and 4, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. He only cared about one thing and one thing only, and, and that was himself. His heart was focused on the riches. His heart was focused on uh, the, the then and there. Uh, right now. What, what can you do for me right now? I'm not worried about this, this man you speak of. I'm not worried about this, uh, this great land that you speak of. I only care about one thing, and that's me, and I want those riches that you have. I want to spend more time with my sister. I want to I fulfill my flesh. Bible says in Mark chapter 8, verse number 36, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The world tries religion, but they want it in a way that is pleasing to them, and they want it in a way that it's convenient. We see the flesh. Then we see the follower, which is Rebecca. Rebecca is, is, is if you haven't guessed it already, I'm sure you know this, Rebecca in this story is a type 
of the bride of Jesus Christ, which is the church. Dr. John Phillips again, quote him again, there was something about the story of Isaac that kindled a response in her heart. She'd never seen him, had come to know him indeed solely by the word of the servant, but already felt that she knew him and already gave him her heart. How intently the sinner under conviction of the Holy Spirit listens to the message of God. How much faith the sinner shows when making that decision to walk by faith and accept the message of God. The more Rebecca heard, the more real Isaac became. When she saw him, she covered herself with a veil. A veil. As Rebecca was clothed with the veil, we are clothed with the righteousness of of Jesus Christ. I want to read Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and in verse number 8 through 11 there and talking about being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8 through 11, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us, much more then being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now have received the atonement. That word justified there. You, you hear some folks say it can mean justified, never sinned. There's a better definition of that. It means that God has declared me righteous. And that means when a person comes the way of the cross, when they repent and turn to Jesus Christ and ask him to be their Lord and Savior, we're covered by his blood and we're deemed justified in the eyes of the Father. Of the Father. We see the follower here, Rebecca. She's a type of the bride, uh, which is the church. And then last of all, we see the forebearer, which is Isaac. He's a type of the precious son of God. He was a well digger. He was at Moriah, um, and his work was done there. He was now waiting for his bride. Friends, Calvary is done. Jesus Christ said it. He said it. It is finished. Um, he's in communion with the Father, and he waits. And when Christ comes back to this world, when, when his foot steps on the Mount of Olives, he's, he's not coming back as the Lamb. I, I assure you that. He's not coming back to, uh, to again, be uh, born of a, you know, as a little baby and, and, and live that life and then die on the cross. No, no, he's coming back as a lion. His, his work is done. He, he's, Calvary is finished. And the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, it says there in that story, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Isaac is a type of the precious Son of God. His work has been finished. So here, by way of conclusion, we have the Father, which is Abraham, a type of God the Father. You have the faithful, which is the unnamed servant, is a type of the Holy Ghost. And then you have the flesh, Laban, a type of the worldly sinner. The follower, Rebecca, the, the bride, the church. And then the forebear, Isaac, the precious son of God. We have the wedding party now. Uh, now let's have a, a wedding. If you look here in Genesis 24, in verse number 67, Genesis 24, And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. 
We're going to now turn to the book of Revelation in chapter number 19. Revelation chapter number 19, and we're going to look at the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter number 19. In verse number 7 through 10, the Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. The fine linen is the righteousness of saints. God has declared us righteous. Amen. And he says unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we see here in Revelation 19, verse 7 through 10, the table set, uh, the father is the host, the son is the groom, and there's a guest there. And that is actually uh, the friends of the bridegroom, also called the daughters of Jerusalem. And these are the Old Testament saints. Now, uh, real quickly, I'm going to read here in, in John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. And this is John the Baptist who is given a declarative statement concerning Jesus Christ. And this is his testimony, rather. And John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet on the pages of the New Testament. And here, uh, while he's baptizing... Uh, Jesus Christ is also baptizing, and he's drawing a bigger crowd. And John's disciples are getting very jealous. And they're, they're getting jealous that, Jesus, the, that, in other words, the attention is off of John, and it's going to Jesus Christ. And John gives that famous verse there in verse number 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. And John says something here in verse number uh, 29, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Bible tells us that John the Baptist was the friend of the bridegroom and that he stood. John the Baptist stood for us. That's very important we understand that. I thank God that John the Baptist did stand for us. He... he uh, pr boldly proclaimed. Uh, he boldly, as the forerunner of Jesus Christ, and there you read the rest of that chapter in John chapter 3, he boldly proclaims, he gives a comparison there in those last verses. He compares the world and the total depravity of man to the precious Son of God. And he tells us that, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the, if the only way uh, for everlasting life is through the Son and if we reject him, it's, it's, uh, it's eternity in hell. And again, I'm paraphrasing there, but John the Baptist, he stood for us. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But friends, that's all John the Baptist could do. All he could do is stand for us. All Paul could do was his best to stand for us. All preachers, God called preachers can do is the best. We can try our best to stand and, and try our best to to, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what John did. And Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 11, now you may have your opinions on who you think, apart from Jesus Christ, the best preacher is. 
But in the Bible it tells us, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. This makes John the Baptist the friend of the bridegroom. He is the best man at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But notice this. John the Baptist stood for us, but that's all he could do. Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, and it, it talks about how uh, in verse number uh, 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. John the Baptist stood. He was the forerunner. He stood. The priest stood. They stood there. But the Bible says there in verse number 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God. I thank the Lord that John the Baptist stood for us, but I thank him even more that Jesus Christ sat down. His work is finished. And that fine linen, clean and white, here comes the brine, that fine linen, that righteousness of, of saints. The honeymoon is ready. The King of kings and the Lord of lords will take his bride, and he's going to take us with him, and we're going to go and destroy the enemies there. The Bible says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Heavenly Father, use this message for your honor in your glory, I pray, God, that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, convict where convictions needed. We thank you, Lord, and we love you, and we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Was a day in early springtime by ancient wayside well. Eliezer paused to rest his camel train. He had found a bride for Isaac ere the evening shadows fell. For his weary journey had not been in vain So he took the fair Rebecca decked in jewels rich and rare Back to Abraham his father far away Where Rebecca loved her Isaac and he loved Rebecca fair Oh it must have been a happy wedding day God above has come down to earth to find a worthy bride. For our Isaac over yonder has prepared.
had a tense of love And he wants his fair Rebecca by his side We have left our kinfolk badly We have bid the world goodbye We're going to a land beyond the sky We shall soon behold our Isaac in that blessed eternity What a happy, happy meeting that will be Thank you for listening to Preach the Word with Brother Dean Carmichael from Greensboro. You can email Brother Dean, Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. Preach the Word 87 at Outlook.com. You also can follow our dear friend Brother Dean Carmichael on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Dean Carmichael Jr. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.